how to continue to grow in freedom. How to continue to grow in freedom. This has been our freedom month. We've talked about freedom. Uh, and so tonight I want to get into how to continue to grow in freedom. And a lot of these points really are, are things that are personal to me. Um, I, I grabbed them from really my own life of, of what I've done to personally grow in this myself. So I, I want to be able to share that with you and just to, to be able to, uh, you know, that's really my heart's desire. When I preach, I, I want to preach into you so that you're equipped to do. And that's really what I desire is to equip you to live a victorious life so that you're not dependent upon another man, but you have what it takes to know how to defeat the enemy yourself, to have a victorious life, and to live victoriously. And it's not that we, we don't need one another in coming together and strengthening one another. We do. But whenever you have the tools and you know how to how to combat with, with the tools that you've been given, Given, there's a, another level of freedom that you walk in that, that you just feel the victory of Christ in your life. Amen? All right. So, and if you have any questions at the end, write them down. I, I will take any questions. So if there's anything that sticks out to you, like, well, you know, how did, how did this work for you? Or uh, what would you do about this? Or whatever. I'll, I'll take questions at the end if you have anything. So let's go ahead and pray as we open up this word. Father, we thank you so much for the victory that was bought and purchased, that, Father, we're redeemed from death, hell, and the grave. We're redeemed from an eternity uh, of being a held captive by the enemy and Lord that you set us free it was for for freedom that you set us free you desired for us to walk in freedom so you sent your son and you made a way where there was no way and father we thank you so much we glorify you for that tonight we're so thankful that each one of us were called and brought into your light out of darkness and into your marvelous light. So we praise you tonight for that. We're thankful for that tonight. We glorify your name and we give you all the honor. And we pray tonight that I pray even tonight there would be a strength that comes into your people, into the body of Christ, to, to walk at a level of freedom like never before, that they see such an increase over these next five months from now to December, that they do not look the same, and that there's such an impartation, Father, that there's an increase that's tangible on their life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and turn to 2 Peter. I read this passage or part of this passage uh, last week, but I want to go through and read a little bit more of it tonight. 2 Peter 1, and I'm going to read 3 through 11. And I just want to start off by saying these five things that I'm going to give you tonight, they really all happen the same way. I'm going to give you five points, five keys. But they all happen or they're all imparted the same way, which is through the word of God, through the preaching and the teaching of the word of God, through listening to, to sermons, faith-filled sermons, uh, reading 
praying, uh, hearing God's vessels, men and women that preach uh, faith into you. They, you can't get around that. Like, I know it, it sounds like we repeat the same things many times, but that's, that's the formula for growth. It, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's no other way around it. You're not going to get it. You can't say, God, give me more faith and just pray for faith uh, because it doesn't come that way. It comes through hearing the word of God and it being preached into your spirit and understanding the revelation of the word of God. So it, it has to come in those ways. So these five things I'm giving you, they're, they're going to come through the hearing, the listening, the reading, the revelation of the word of God. All right, so number number one, how to grow in your level of freedom, how to continue to grow in freedom. Number one, we must continue. That was scary. <laughs> the offering buckets are attacking people back here. Um, must continue, continually grow in sanctification and character. We must continually grow in sanctification and character. Uh, sanctification is being set apart. Set apart by his word. Set apart for a purpose. Set apart because you've been called, you've been chosen, and he's setting you apart for a work. And if you're set apart, if you, you've ever set anything apart in your house and you're like, no, I want to put this one over here because it's special, then you know, like, that one's got a different purpose. That one has a special purpose. You don't use it for the same purpose as everything else. You set that one apart. Well, it's the same thing. God, God's children are set sanctified and set apart sanctified and set apart in fact Jesus that was one of the last things he prayed for his disciples sanctify them by your word set them apart for your purposes for your glory by your word and so let's hit second uh, Peter 1 3 through 11 and I'm going to read this out of NIV pre-1984 all right. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. See, and we talked about that already a few weeks ago. We talked about how we don't have to live in sin. We can live outside of sin, and we can escape the corruption of the world. Number five, or verse 5, for this reason, for this reason, meaning for the re this reason that you can be uh, partakers of his divine nature, for this reason, what? Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. 
Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, there's a lot there. There is so much there. But he's saying, in order to make your calling and election sure, your calling as in the your salvation and your election, what you have been called and chosen to do. And so he says, if you will do these things, you will never fail. You won't fall. That's an awesome promise, is it not? You're not going to fall. You will not fail if you do what? These things that I've just said, add to your faith goodness. And it's interesting that he, he marks it in this order because, first of all, we're all given a measure of faith. That's how we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're given a measure of faith. And with that faith, we believe in Christ. And from that point, we receive him into our life. And then it's up to us to grow our faith, to increase our faith of what Christ can do in our life. So he says, add to that faith goodness. Why? Because we all have a, an innate understanding of what is good. Even before we're saved, we know things that are right and wrong. Maybe before we're saved, we didn't pay much attention to that, and we just did whatever we wanted. But when we get saved, man, there's a conviction that comes upon us, and it's like, I got to get this right. So add to your faith goodness. Goodness, doing the right thing, doing the good thing, and to goodness, knowledge, because he wants us to grow in the knowledge of him, to grow in our understanding of who he is and what he wants for our life, and to knowledge what? Self-control, because as you gain the knowledge of Christ and the nature of Christ, then he says you're going to have to learn how to operate in self-control, because you're not always going to feel like putting on the new nature. So he says, add to that knowledge, now self-control. Because now you know, so now you've got to apply it. Now you've got to control yourself and, and make sure that you're disciplined in these things. Add to uh, self-control, perseverance. <laughs> so now we got to push through. we got to push through. Even when it seems difficult, we push through and we make sure that we're staying the course, that we're not getting off course. We persevere. Even when, when something seems like it's difficult or hard, we say, no, I'm not stopping. I'm not quitting. I'm going to push through and I'm going to persevere through this moment. I'm going to build up endurance in my faith. And in that, godliness. Because as we do that, what are we doing? We're becoming more godly. We're looking more like him. We're taking on the nature of a true son of God. A true son of God. There is, in fact, there's two different words used whenever it talks in Romans about uh, the sons of God. And part of the time it uses the word technon, and part of the time it uses the word hueos. And when it says technon, it means a, a son that is born of you. But when it's talking about hueos, it means a son that takes on the nature of the father. So not just born, but now they begin to talk, act like, look like, respond the same way as the nature of the father. Because we know that there are people that say, yeah, I believe in, in, in God and Jesus Christ and he's my father. But have they, are they really beginning to look and act and operate like God their father? 
So God even differentiates between a technon son and a hueo son. A hueo son is what we want to be like. It's the son that resembles the nature of the father. That was just a sideline. All right, so perseverance, godliness into godliness, brotherly kindness, because then it's like there's going to be times when as a family of God that Somebody may, may get upset, may get offended, but there's brotherly kindness among us. We've got to make sure that we're taking care of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we add to that love. To brotherly kindness, love. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. So there's grace in the family of God. We show grace to one another. We love one another. We don't just say, well, you know what? Three strikes, you're out, and, and I just ha- I've had it up to here with you, and I'm done. No, we have a love for, it says in the Bible that that's, that's how people will know that you're his disciples is because of your love for one another. So we add to our brotherly kindness, love. And then it says, if you continue to possess these qualities in increasing measure, in increasing measure, then you will not fail. You'll, you'll be kept from being ineffective and unproductive. So that means you'll be effective and you'll be productive if you're increasing in these things in your knowledge of him. Amen? So we must continually grow in sanctification and character, which that's going to keep us out of sin. That's going to keep us in the ways of God. So we we can't take on the mentality and the attitude that, Like if God's pressing on us about something, about some character issue, about something that's in our life that he's putting his thumb on and saying, or his finger and saying, you need to change this. And then we laugh it off and go, ha, 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 you know, that's just, that's just me. I'm just, you know, uh, they all call me, you know, whatever, um, some little nickname because I laugh it off now and, and say, you know, I always, I'm, I've always been a complainer. I've always been a grumbler. I'm the person that, that always sees the, the half, the cup half empty or, you know, and we will write these little things off like it's not a big deal. When the word of God says that we're to do everything without grumbling and complaining. And so we have to to learn that the character of God is so important in our life. And we want to become like him. So the sanctification character process is an ongoing thing for the rest of our lives. So we can't ever come to a point where we say, well, I've been saved for 15 years, so I got it all figured out. I'm I'm all good in the character part. No, we all have things to work on. We're all being perfected in the image of Christ. And maybe we've gotten a lot of the junk out that we used to do, but there's still the details. There's still things we've got to buff up in our life. There's still things that we've got to sand down in our life to make sure that we are, that we're doing everything we can in the nature of God. In fact, 1 Thessalonians, I'll just give you this one. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 and 8 says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you the Holy Spirit. So anytime we're convicted of something and we refuse to change, it says that we're rejecting God, not man. Because, see, a lot of times it comes through man. <laughs> That's the thing. A lot of times these things will come through a person. You know, you, you kind of had an attitude the other night. 
you know, you kind of were a, a, a little uh, on edge. You tend to have a little bit of an anger problem. You tend to, to complain a lot. What's going on there? Can I help? And then we get, we get frustrated. Why don't and God says, these are things that, that we have to get worked out of our life. And he says, if you reject it, you're rejecting God, not man. It's God's instruction. And so we always have to remain in a place of humbleness. We're receiving the words of God. Doesn't matter the culture, doesn't matter your upbringing, it doesn't matter the family you've been raised in. Everything is about the word of God. Amen? Which brings us to point number two. So we must hunger for the word, for wisdom, and faith. We must hunger for the word, wisdom, which comes from the word, and faith. All of this gets, yeah, you could preach all three of them from a different standpoint, but it all is, is really combined together. Because wisdom, uh, wisdom is the, the mind of God, true wisdom, heavenly wisdom. I'm not talking about uh, diabolical wisdom or, or wisdom that comes from man or from earth or anything. I'm talking about heavenly wisdom, the principles of God. The, they're, they're the laws and the nature that God created, and they don't change. No matter what we do or what man thinks, they don't change. Even... Even the laws of, of nature, of science, they don't change. They were created by God. And so they don't change. You throw an apple in the air, an apple's going to come down, right? Law of gravity. It doesn't change. And it's, it's not going to change just because a person says, well, I don't believe in that. Well, I do it, I do it this way. It's not going to matter how much you think differently of it. It's a law and it's in place. So any law of God, any principle of God, it's not going to change. It's, it's established in the heavens. In fact, the, his word says that in Psalms. His word is established in the heavens. So they're, they're written in the courtroom of God. They're not changing. So when it comes to the word, then we have to adopt that in our life and that has to become our truth. It has to become our framework. And the more that we learn of his wisdom, and the more we take on and apply it in our life, then the more we're going to see things work out in freedom for our good. Because think about this. If you operate against the laws of gravity, what's it going to look like? You decide you want to go up on the top of this building and jump off just to, you know what, I'm going to defy gravity today. And, and you decide that you're going to be the one to do it. Is there going to be consequences? Yes, there's going to be consequences. It's the same thing with the word of God. If we operate outside of his principles, then there's going to be consequences which causes us to live in an area that's not so free. It's not going to feel free. So anytime we defy his principles, it doesn't matter who we are, we can say, I want this, and then I want that. And there's a, it's never enough. It's never enough. I, I want more. I need more. And so if, if you're thinking that well, it's all about your employer, well, then your eyes are on the employer. But if your eyes are on God for, in his eternal kingdom, then you know that you're laying treasures up in heaven. 
where moth and rust does not destroy. There's an eternal value, and there are rewards that are given. What is that? It says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for what he does, whether he is slave or free. So he's saying, what, what you do for God, God will do for you. And I'm telling you, whenever... The more and more we stepped into serving God, the more and more I begin to realize the power of that verse. Go ahead and, and let me back it up with another one too. Go to Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Interesting, huh? They were both chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature or his flesh, from that nature he will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And then it, it even goes on and says, therefore, we have an opportunity. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers or the family of God. So he says, especially doing good for one another. So when we're serving one another, when we're serving the family of God, when we're tying our purpose to the kingdom of God, then what are we doing? What we do for God he makes happen for us. When we serve his, his children, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that doesn't go unnoticed. You become a precious, a precious person in his sight. Does God love all his children? Yes. But if you have five kids and one of them obeys you and, and does what they say they're going to do, and they, they take ownership of what you have placed in their hands, and they grow it, and you've given them a mission, and you say, in order to grow the business, I want you to do this, this, and this, and they're the one that does that, and they, they excel, and they do what you're asking them to do, and all the rest of them just go off and do whatever, and, and please themselves, well, dad gave us X amount of dollars, dad gave us liberty to do this, dad gave us the car to do that, and they're pleasing their sinful nature, their flesh for themselves, who are you going to give more, who are you going to take special, special notice of? It's not that you don't love the other four, you love them, but the thing is, this one's the one that's accomplishing the mission, so you're going to give more. You're going to make sure that you're, you're taking extra precautions to, to give them what is needed. So serving God, there is a, it's, it's like, well, even yesterday, we were, we were going out to pick up some stuff for, for Saturday for the cleaning and <laughs> we if you know where we live if you've been to our house you know that we kind of have a, a blind um, area there where we pull out and when you look to the right 
if there's a car coming, like you have to, you have to look that way, look the other way, and then this has to be the last way you look because it, it it's quick. And then you've got to make a, you know, you can't stall on it. You've got to make a quick decision and go. But yesterday, we were pulling out, and Brad was driving, and I was sending a text to Zane, so I wasn't even looking up, and, and he's sitting there, and then all of a sudden, in my spirit, I just felt like, look up, like, Look to the look to the right. He had already looked that way. He'd looked back this way. He looked over and got ready to pull out, but his focus was now pulling out. I looked up and I yelled, "Brad!" And this car was flying like 70 miles an hour around that turn. And and when he came around, he didn't even slow down. And as soon as Brad heard me say something, he saw it, and he pulled over in the, in the left lane. We're, we're going the same way as them, and they just fly by us. And, of course, there's another car coming towards us, but they weren't going fast, so they saw, and they stopped. And, and you know, we had to back it up in our driveway. But, I mean, if they would have hit, they would have hit us going 70 miles an hour at least. But, you know, even in that, like, I knew God's protection was there. God's protection was there. And there's not, a, there's not a fear because I know that he protects his children. And if I, if I am in his will, in his perfect will, then I don't have a fear of destruction because I know that it's going to be for his best interest to keep me on earth to do his work. And in fact, that's one of the things that I'm going to be preaching probably over the next couple of Sundays is the top 10 things that most people fear. I'm going to be talking about freedom over fear. And death is going to be one of them. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are Christians that know, like, eternity is my home, but I'm, I'm still afraid of dying or I'm still afraid of dying young or dying before my time. And so I, I really want to hit hard on that one. But God's children should walk in a freedom over fear. And we should walk in a joy. And we should walk in a peace. We should look at, we shouldn't carry the same things that the world carries. This freedom here that he's called us to walk in, like, we're so blessed. These things were purchased for us. So we've got to activate them, and we've got to grow them and increase them in our life. Minister, can you go ahead and come to the keyboard? But even with that last point, living a life to serve God. Think about it for a second. Why did God save Noah? It says Noah was a righteous man. He didn't, he didn't speak to any, anyone else. They weren't living righteously. But he told Noah, and Noah preached to people trying to give them a warning, and no one listened. Now get this. Why did God save Lot? Was it because Lot asked him to? He was connected with Abraham, and God considered Abraham a friend. People can even receive the benefits of living in, in freedom and peace because they're connected 
with a man or a woman of God that lives in freedom because they walk with God because they they live in a place where I'm doing these things and I walk in a peace and I walk with my Lord and my heart is to please him and even your household can receive the benefits because you walk with God and it can bring a, a victory in your home. It can bring a peace in your home. And you've got to realize, like, I am not fighting against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting against a person. I live in faith. I live by the word of God. And I believe in the victory and the peace and the freedom that God bought. Let's go ahead and stand our feet. Really what I felt to pray for, you know, even as we were in praise and worship earlier and I'm just asking the Lord what is it that you want to do with the service what do you want to do with this word and I really felt like the Lord wanted there to be strength that was imparted in the people to walk this out to grow in their freedom to grow in a, in a greater level of freedom. I believe that over the years, and whenever, you know, years ago when I determined, like, I'm, I'm, I'm digging in and I'm, I'm going to go after this thing. You know, there was just a tenacity, and I, I don't know, part of it's probably what I grew up around and, you know, with my family, but part of it is a, is a spiritual impartation too. And you have to have a spiritual tenacity to not give up. And, and I mean, just like bulldog, like bulldog faith. And that's what I want to pray for anybody that wants that prayed over them is a strength, a strength to run the race at a greater level, a strength to run the race and to, to live in a place at greater freedom, that as you're applying these things and as you're reading the word and as these things through faith are being imparted into you, that you're, you're running at a different level of freedom. You're seeing a different level of freedom and peace in your life that you've not seen before. And it only increases throughout your life. And that's really what I want to pray for this evening. It's just a, a strength, an impartation of strength. And if you want that tonight and you want me to pray for you tonight, then I want to invite you to the front. And I just want to be able to pray with uh, anybody that feels like, yeah, I, I want that. I want that in my Christian walk. I want that in my life. 